And that puts us in chapter 5. How many of you have been to an AA meeting before? Good percentage of you. Good. That's a good start. So at most AA meetings I've ever attempt, attended, they read a little portion of this chapter, chapter 5, and it's entitled How It Works. And what they read at the meeting is really the wrap-up of the first two steps leading us to a third step decision. Does that make sense? So we're going to kind of break that down and then move into what the third step decision is. Fair enough? So chapter 5, how it works, that's uh, page 58 for those of you following with your book. They start out with a promise and condition. Let's see if we can catch the promise and the condition the authors give us. It says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Did you all catch the promise? Rarely have we seen a person fail. Who's we? The first 100. But this book is the story of several thousand men and women who've recovered. So they've, they've had a sampling. Yes? So rarely have they seen a hopeless or seemingly hopeless person fail who's thoroughly followed their path. Notice they did not say paths. Well, I will hear people in recovery fellowship say, you can do recovery any way you want to. Have you heard it? Of course you can. Of course you can. I could do addiction any way I wanted to, too. <laughs> but if I want the outcome of deliverance that they promise in this book, there appears to be a path. Does that make sense? And it's their path. Not his path, not her path, not my path because I'm not them. This is their testimony. Does it make sense? Okay. All right, so those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So two things. Any of you had struggles with recovery? Look at who I'm talking to. <laughs> Me too. Have you ever imagined yourself a cannot or a will not? Were you confused which you were? How many of you thought you were a will not till you found out you were a cannot? Right? When we think we're just willfully defying everything and then all of a sudden I'm spun like a monkey and now I cannot get back. Okay. And then it says give themselves to this simple program. What simple program? Yes, this manner of living suggested in their books. I'm going to have to get in the book. If I'm struggling, I want to focus on the program, not the fellowship. I want to focus on the testimony of this author, or this collective author, as opposed to opinions of people in modern rooms. Does it make sense? Okay. And then it says usually these are men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So what are they un incapable of being honest with themselves about? There's probably no wrong answer here, but they've spoken about two specific things up to now in the book. So we might want to review what they've talked to us about and see if we can get honest about those two things, because those things are going to lead us where we're headed or they're going to block from us where we might want to go. Does it make sense? So if you go back to... Let's go to the doctor's opinion. Look what the doctor has to say on XX 
V-I-I-I, Roman numeral 28. Everyone with me that's wanting to go in the book? Let's go to the bottom of that page. It says, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. How many of you can relate to liking the effect produced by whatever it is you did? How many of you are sober in here tonight? Oh, good, a high percentage of you. It's always a good start. How many of you sitting here sober can bring to consciousness as you sit there that effect produced if you went out and got a drink or a script? Or... Can you do it? Okay. But you're sober. Interesting. It says that sensation is so elusive that while they admit it injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. Any of you recall, once you got out actively addicted again, how easy it was to redefine your limits? Or did you have limits? It says they are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. What I need us to get honest about, firstly, have you discovered, if you're just abstinent, that you experience restlessness, irritability, and discontent? So abstinence is not a solution for the truly hopeless, is it? which I believe myself to be of the truly hopeless variety. So abstinence is not a condition I can live in because I'm restless, irritable, and discontent until I can experience ease and comfort and it's out there in the world. I know right where to go for it, yes? I can bring it to consciousness right now, many years sober, yeah? I call that to your attention because we got to own that. Without that ease and comfort, without that flow that they promised us that they experienced in their step two encounter, I'm going to be restless, irritable, and discontent until I medicated away. So there was never suggested that an alcoholic of the hopeless variety remain abstinent. It was suggested that we wake up to the spirit being within us. That's why the goal is an awakening, not an abstinence. Does that make sense? Okay, so now let's go over to step two again since we referenced it and we need to take a look at that. And I think I want to be on page, Sean's not here to correct me, so I, I want to be on page 50. Jim, are you filling in for Sean? I want to be on page 50, and I'm on the bottom of that page. It says, here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. So the doctor opined about the first, and we own our condition of restlessness, irritability, and discontent. And now the authors are talking about the f collective experience of the first 100 and the people written about in this book, the thousands of men and women that the book's about. So they're going to bring us back to what this is about. This isn't about anyone sitting in this room or probably anyone we met. These people are all dead. So we need to go here to the book to get their experience. Okay. So here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. 
So how many of you could use a revolution in the way you live and think? How many of you have been sober a while and still periodically need said revolution? Any of you ever been stuck? Sober and miserable. Restless, irritable, and discontent. Da dangerous place for us to be if we know ourselves to be this person, yes? Okay. So that tells us in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. Power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowing into them. Does that sound like they were abstinent? No, it sounds like they were inebriated in the spirit. So I change not the fact that I'm dependent, but what I'm dependent on if I want to live free in the world. Does that make sense? Not a theology, just the collective experience of this, this group of drunks. Half of them were atheists or agnostics, they told us last week. They either believed God did not exist or could not be proven to exist, but they didn't stay there because of this profound experience. Right? Okay. All right. So, it says this happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. What do you imagine those requirements are? That was a step two thing, and we're in step three, and we're reviewing. So I'm guessing somewhere between two and 12 or three and 12. Notice how you got a new sense of direction right away? And that path's never out, it's inward. Because in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. Yes? Okay. So that's what I got to be honest about. I'm restless, irritable, and discontent unless I can experience ease and comfort. And if I go out in the world looking for ease and comfort, I eventually end up in a pickle. Yes? Any of you been in a pickle? Okay, so if we can be honest about that, and if we have had this encounter and we felt the flow, and we're willing to believe that that flow can be improved upon, now I'm ready to ask that power I've encountered to enjoin me on this inward search. Because where do we find the power? Deep down inside, and how do we find it? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly. So the very first step of action, having had my encounter, would be to ask for power to go inward and find those answers, find that calamity, pomp, and worship that's been obscuring my consciousness of the ease and comfort I desperately need to live. Sensible? Good. It all should make sense. If it doesn't make sense, either I'm not explaining it well enough or you're not trying. <laughs> one, one of the two. Okay? But if it, you cannot move into a conscious relation until you can make a conscious decision with your conscious mind. So whoever's helping you should be able to make sense of it for you. Yes? You share your honest doubt and prejudice. I'll do my best to share my experience, and we'll come together somewhere. You may not understand me, but if you feel me, you'll follow me. Yeah? Okay. All right. So tells us there are such unfortunates. They're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So that doesn't mean when you encounter the person for the first time and they still have prejudice about who this power is we seek and all these things, that they may not stumble a bit. How many of you stumbled a bit? How many of you started through your step process but you dallied a little? Okay, that's all part of the process. How many of you, when you really felt the desperation and you really knew you needed to do something different, 
you got through an inventory and you started prosecuting those amends? How many of you started helping other people? How many of you didn't have a fifth step experience until you took someone else through their two or their three? So grasping and developing a manner of living, your sanctification is going to come after your encounter. may not come at the time of your encounter. You're going to have to have your old ideas revealed to you. Guess, where I, guess who shows me my old ideas? Everybody I'm going to encounter after that. I don't know what my old ideas are. I don't even know what my new ideas are. I doubt if I've ever had a new idea. <laughs> anyway, so it says, says there are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So honesty with self is a critical component. How many of you have met those people with grave emotional and mental disorders? How many of you have figured out it's you? This is, this is what we, that baffles us. We come to a fellowship exclusively for crazy people who don't think they're crazy and then look around and say, I don't want to be like these people. <laughs> who went to public detox here? Notice a lot of people down there we didn't want to be like? Did they tell you you were there as a patient and not an observer? So we, we, we don't recognize the severity of our affliction until we've spent a little time lifting other people out of theirs, do we? We don't know anything of powerlessness until someone we desperately want to lift out of their darkness doesn't come out, and we go through the death with them. Yes? Then we learn of powerlessness, yes. Okay. All right. So it says, our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. Over the years, we started talking about what it was like. That was never it. This is about a testimony. What I was like. I was restless, irritable, discontent. I was full of guilt, shame, and remorse. I, I felt so afflicted by the world. I was quite sure you were all in this grand conspiracy to hold me down. So I lashed out against you until all my freedoms were gone. And then one day, I encountered this power. And pow! Nothing like that ever happened again. I wasn't in that bondage anymore, and I was compelled to serve in greater and greater numbers, not because I'm a good guy, but because I'm hoping one day to be a better guy. What I was like, what happened, what I'm like now. Does it make sense? Okay. So then it says, if you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. So if we're working with people, there's a promise and condition. Number one, what is it they had? It's not all the worldly things. Many of them had nothing. They appeared to have freedom, right? They appeared to be more joyful than I. They appeared to have an answer for the baffling condition that I was chained up in. And I wanted that. And I was willing to go to any lengths to get it. At times. <laughs> right? Because we're recovery people. Right? Yeah, any lengths, any lengths. Just don't interrupt dinner. <laughs> if I want what they have, if I want that personal freedom, if I want that certainty that my creator lives in me and operates through me, if I want that 
and I'm willing to go to any lengths to get it, then I'm ready to take certain steps. If not, no sense in uncovering a bunch of garbage you're just going to sit on. Make sense? Okay. So, then it tells us the experience. At some of these, we balked. How many of you looked at the steps on the wall? No one ever explained to you what you were. They were, but you said, no, I got secrets. Or, I'm not paying that back. <laughs> or, I can't pay that back. So never let the step in front of you stop you from the step you're on. Take a step of faith and see what happens. Right? You're not expected to have all the revelation in one that you'll have by ten. Okay? All right. So we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Why are they saying that? Exactly right. You guys hear Tyler? All of us, all of us who have dawdled through our step experience and suffered and caused suffering for others wish we would have moved quicker. So it's a sincere wish for them. I, I urge you to be fearless and thorough from the very start because there's no way to it but through it. Okay. All right. So, so with all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. So they're talking, obviously, about situationally. How many of you have found that you had prejudice that was unreasoning about God? About recovery? About certain classes of people? How many of you have since learned that you knew nothing about God or recovery or certain types of people and you started confronting that unreasoning prejudice and found out you had more in common than you had wasn't that freeing? Okay. So, so it says, remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful, without help. It's too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is? God. There you go. I love it. You guys are on it, man. So when we, if you haven't been here before, we got to think. Because not everybody comes here in the same they're not as comfortable with the word God, but everyone's comfortable with the word power. And they're interchangeable to us because our God is a God of power. Yes? He restored me from a deplorable human state. Yeah. So, it says, there's one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Where are we going looking? I'm getting myself ready in meditation to ask in prayer for something I sincerely want, which is a better relationship with the power to live within me. Does that make sense? And they're encouraging me to get into this preparation because I'm going to have to, they're going to tell us in another chapter, it's actually behind here, that we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost self that we were alcoholic, this is the first step in recovery. I cannot fully concede to my innermost self based on a lie. So if I don't understand that I am seeking power that's going to present to me as power, peace, happiness, sense of direction, it's going to be a liberating power, it's going to be a source of ease and comfort in the world without going out in the world to get it. If I don't know that, I may not be empowered to move forward. Does it make sense? 
Okay. So half measures availed us nothing. So let's talk about half measures. Who's employed some half measures? How many of you didn't even know you were employing half measures? You just did what someone told you, and it turns out they're not in the book. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. See how they had to be prepared to ask his protection and care with complete abandon? I had to know I desperately needed power to live. I had to know it couldn't do it on my own. I had to know that it had to be an earnest prayer to do that with complete abandon. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm not going to read through the steps. I'm going to go past it because you guys are scholars. So I'm on page 60. Many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. How many of you didn't say that, but you thought it? And how many of you just ignored it altogether, because you just don't pick up, no matter what? If I, don't, if I don't use, I can't get high. Yeah, no shit. Might have done that before the last dime you did, huh? No? I hear that from people all the time. Your life has been a certifiable shit show. But all of a sudden, you've decided? You couldn't have decided two houses ago? It's OK to have a mental illness. It's dangerous not to acknowledge it once you've discovered it. The insanity of addiction is not what happens after I use. The insanity of addiction is the fact that I continue to use in spite of what always happens. Okay, so do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. What principles? The principles contained in the steps. And you don't even know that. Right now you're still moving in faith. But later they'll break down all the principles in the steps. And it's not the long list that Bill wrote 15 years later and put in the 12 and 12. It's in here because this book was written 15 years earlier. That's why I know. Okay. So the point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines. So are you willing to grow along spiritual lines? Okay, so we're in agreement with them. The principles we've set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Are you on board with them? Do you feel less limited in your thought life than you once did? Do you feel like there may be a solution to your discomfort? So we'll claim that, right? Okay, so it says, our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. So the description of the alcoholic came in the doctor's opinion, Bill's story, there is a solution, more about alcoholism, yes? Okay, and then the personal adventures, they told about how their experience through the process and the encounter with the power and that revelation to them, yes? Okay. Okay, so these clear, three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic, and that we could not manage our own lives. So I made that admission in one, that I'm powerless over alcohol, and my life has become unmanageable, but I didn't even know about the unmanageability of my life until they led me into the step two experience. So without even knowing, I stepped in faith based on the miracle I saw of your recovery. Make sense? I put myself in someone else's hands just for a minute, and all of a sudden I started growing in power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. 
that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. So that's the point where you look back and go, have you tried to will it away? Have you had people you deeply cared about say, if you don't stop, I'm leaving you. And you knew you were going to miss them. Yeah. <laughs> going to suck to see you go. But if you're easily disappointed, that God couldn't would if he were sought. When they say God, they say power. that power couldn't would if he were sought. Who, is, who among us is not a power seeker? All of us are power seekers. We've just been looking in the wrong place. Now we're going inward. Yes? Okay. So being convinced we were at step three. Convinced of what? A, B, and C. Human power ain't going to get her done. And God can and will. If I, I've had my encounter, it's time to chase. Right? How many of you got struck sober and then forgot you were supposed to follow? God's not looking for leaders. God's looking for followers. But if you are a follower of God, men will ultimately follow you. Yes? Okay. So being convinced we're at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that and what do we do? Again, not a God of your understanding, God as they understood him. And they understood him by this stage of their development as a powerful experience of power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction flowing in. Not a chair, not a light bulb, not a group of drunks, not any of the silly shit we've heard over the years. If it's outside of you, they lie. Does that make sense? Okay. So, what do we mean and what do we do? I'm in step three. God doesn't want my will. God wants me to recognize there is no will but his. Does that make sense? So I'm going to have to go through the discipline so I can wake up to the fact that God's will has no opposite. There's God's will and my disagreement with it. My suffering in the world is caused by my disagreement with God's will. Okay. All right. And I can't do that right now because I think some of you people are sons of bitches. So... I'm going to need a manner of living that's going to deliver me from that slumber. Yes? Okay. All right, so the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So are we convinced? That's a requirement. So what are we convinced by? Our experience, right? But what they said is any life. So I've got to quit judging how I'm thinking and feeling by how I see you act or hear you speak. I've got to quit comparing myself to others in the world and start taking a look at how I'm thinking and living. Yes? Gotcha. Okay. So it says, on that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. So I like you to follow along here. They use the words they mean, and they mean the words they say. If they wanted to say alcoholic or they wanted to say addict, they would have said that, but they didn't. They said people, because they're not treating my alcoholic condition. The doctor said the only thing for an alcoholic to do is don't drink, which I found I cannot do. I cannot not do. 
The problem with not doing is it requires no power. So if all I'm asking for is power to not do, God said, well, do that on your own. Because it takes no power to not do. But it does take power to serve. It does, it does take power to own my own nonsense. It does take power to reach out to you when you're in a terrible state and you're not very pleasant. Yes? Okay. All right, so... Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. How many of you, as you're out about your daily toil, are often quite virtuous? Kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. Anybody? I would like to point, I like to point out to my people that are newer in the process, if you're pointing out your own modesty and self-sacrifice, <laughs> it's kind of like getting a selfie of you being selfless. Probably, probably haven't quite grasped the depth of it. Anytime anyone implores you to notice how humble they are, Those are observations of others, right? Okay. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. How many of you recognize that? We should recognize both, right? So it says, but as with most humans, he's more likely to have varied traits. My problem is I, I want to own my humanity when it's good for me, but I don't want to own my humanity when I'm behaving less than ideal. And I want to hold you to the opposite standard. And it causes me a great deal of turmoil in the world. Anyone else? Okay. So what usually happens? Show doesn't come off. We're in a reentry center Thursday night. Some fool talking to us from a podium. Show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious, as the case may be, and still the play does not suit him. Talk about the earnestness. I just want people to like me, but I want them to do it the way I want them to do it. Anyone relate to what I'm saying? Okay. So still the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. Have you been caught up in that? He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? They've got a question mark, so if you think this may apply to you, you want to go inward here. If this is going on, what is my basic trouble? And then they've got some clues. Does that make sense? That's how you read this book. You turn the statement into a question, and you ask yourself, because the answers for you are in you, because it's a book of testimony. The answers aren't out there. They're in you. Okay. Is he really, not really a self-seeker, even when trying to be kind? Was I doing something, thinking it was an act of kindness, and unconsciously I had an expectation how you would receive it? And indeed, when you didn't receive it the way I meant it or wanted for you to receive it, then did I recognize my attachment? Did I think you were a jerk or did I realize I had an attachment? Because that's the difference between whether I'm awakening and whether I'm still in slumber. Make sense? 
Okay? It says, is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? That's an interesting word, delusion. You know what delusion is? I lie to me, and I don't know I'm lying. So they're saying a delusion that I can manage the world. Does anyone else recognize that delusion? Did any of you, like me, get kind of born and awakened into a world that was relatively complete with or without me? And yet, I still thought y'all were waiting for me to get here to get the party started. Okay. So I'm not going to wrestle satisfaction and happiness out of the world. The satisfaction and happiness is going to have to go with me. I'm going to have to be a distributor of it. Because I'm not any good at being a thief of it. I've tried that. Any of you have tried to go get happiness and satisfaction from others, from worldly things? Is it not fleeting and soon lost? How many of you have found true happiness and satisfaction with you once you knew your identity, who you were and whose you were? Okay. All right. So, so it says, is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? How many of you are running around acting like you thought you were in charge and somebody found out you weren't in charge? That's what they're talking about. And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? How many of you found a whole bunch of humans all thought they were in charge? And you're all in charge of the same event with a different opinion. Is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? So if I'm struggling in the world, I want to ask myself these questions. Am I not, even in my best moments, a producer of confusion? Does it, does it really matter if you have that polar and opposite of viewpoint of mind that I convince you of mine? Or can I let you be right and go away to save my peace? Right? I'm here to make friends, not win arguments. But I don't always remember that. All right. So, all right. So our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He's like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations, are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, our self-pity. So ultimately, when we find ourselves trapped within ourselves, are we really concerned about the condition of the world, or are we concerned about how I'm feeling right now? Okay. So then it says, selfishness, self-centeredness. So really, I've got to bring it home. If the main problem is found where? Main problem is found in the mind. And the solution is found where? Deep down inside. So neither the problem nor the solution are ever found outside of me, but I'm insane enough to continue to go out there looking. Every, every time. Anyone else? See, I told you you didn't think you were insane until I showed you how insane you were. Because you are insane like me. You are my peeps. We get it. That's why we work. Right? Okay. Okay. So selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, 
self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So you got to get at this point, because a lot of us came here and we were done great harm by others as children and adults, and no one is saying you had any part in that. But what this does is, this is number one, this is written after they've had the experience. So they're writing this part of the book in past tense. So they're telling you of an experience they had. And if you're on the other side of it, of course you haven't had that experience. So no one's diminishing the pain you've been subjected to. But if I will chase it back like they did, it says self-delusion, like I thought it was all about me or I thought you should have responded differently, or whatever, self-seeking, some behavior, self-pity, a condition I find myself in, and then these fears that seem to drive that, if I chase it all the way back to that, I'll see that I have a part, even in the stuff I had no part in the original harm, the fact that I'm dying of it several years later means I'm not letting go of that, I'm not utilizing it to help someone else going through that, and as a result, my part is I'm living in a spirit of grievance and I'm blocking myself off from the sunlight of the spirit. Does that make sense? And I don't, I'm not convincing you of yours. I'm telling you what I learned in mine. But if you do it, you'll learn something similar in yours. Okay? All right. So it says our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. How many of you thought things were trouble because you misinterpreted them? So sometimes they're, they're imagined, yes? Okay. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. So they told us that people, they're regular examples of self-will run riot. Me, I've discovered I'm an alcoholic. I'm an extreme example of self-will run riot, but I don't think so. What are the chances I'm going to live long and happily in the world? Slim to none right? So I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. I have discovered I am this guy. I don't know that you are, but I've heard birds of a feather. <laughs> so it's a rumor. All right. So above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. See, this isn't about how you should behave. If I've discovered I'm an alcoholic and I read this, what I need to know is I, as an alcoholic, must be rid of this selfishness. Doesn't matter what the rest of y'all do. If I don't, it's going to go badly for me. Okay? So we must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. Isn't it interesting? They said God, power makes that possible. Didn't say he did it. I may be expected to walk through it, I may be expected to grow through my emotional and mental states to a place of less sensitivity. Yes? Okay? And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. How'd they learn that? Have you, any of you ever tried to get rid of self? The minute you're aware of self, there you are. Right? The only way I get rid of self is exterminate me, which I tried, and I still kept showing up. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we, 
we would have liked to. How many of you had a way you wanted to behave, desperately wanted to behave, couldn't do it, could not pull it off? Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. Does it make sense to you what they're saying? Half of them were atheists or agnostics, but they had to acknowledge that everything I've tried on my own, I needed another push. That doesn't mean I didn't have to give it all I had, but I still needed another push sometimes to go through the next phase of my development. That's why God doesn't want your will. You're going to need that some bitch where he's putting you to work. How many of you had to go do God's work and it wasn't easy? How many of you had to do things that the rest of the world thought you were nuts doing? To do any of this recovery work, you will. Wait till you go to the city council and say, we're going to put 400 recently released men and women from Arizona Department of Corrections in a property right in the middle of Phoenix. It's going to be good. The ways of God are foolishness to the ways of the world. When you walk in it now, it makes sense. Should have been here before it was, huh, Kenny? People walking in here now see what it is. Those of us who walked in it in the beginning saw a vision and spoke it in and walked it into existence. Okay. So this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Why? So we've all tried playing God. We may not have called it that. Yeah? Okay. Next, we decided that here and after in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. So what's a director do? He directs. Remember how I was out arranging the lights, the scenery, and the ballet? And then the lights panned to me, and it was time for me to play the role that was my life. Joe... You're the star. Do it. And I was out arranging the lights, the scenery, and the ballet. So there's a light on the stage, and I'm out. In the... So the show could not come off, because I was not there to play my part. Does that make sense? See, I learned that from you all in this process. Yes? Okay. So... It says, when we sincerely took, wait, most good ideas, he's the father, we're his children, most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone, the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. So what concept? God is the director. Right? Okay. And then they're going to give us some more promises and conditions. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. How do I demonstrate the sincerity of my decision? You'd see me acting in it, wouldn't you? I mean, if I've made a decision and I've done nothing different, you have no way. Three frogs on a log, one of them makes a decision to jump. How many are on the log? Three, because you just made a decision, you didn't fucking jump. Right? So the sincerity of my decision will be evident in my action, and it won't be evident necessarily to me, but to you. Right? All right. So those of you who are biblical, signs and wonders follow us. All sorts of remarkable things follow. 
How many of you are living here? Happens every day, right? How many of you have had some revelation since you've been here? How many of you have met the Spirit since you've been here? Or had it improved upon, recognized what was happening here? Right? Signs and wonders follow us. Yes? Okay. So you guys are in your decision. That's good news. Right? All right. So then it says, we have a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well. That's a pretty powerful promise. How many of you have felt like you're in a diminished job on your way back to restoration? Was it a diminished job when you knew you were working for the Almighty? It ain't no small job. Right? And if you'll do the small things well, he'll trust you with the big things. <laughs> Make sense? All right. So, being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. So, what's the goal? Grow in conscious relation into an awakened state. That's the goal of 12-step recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message of my awakening as the result of these steps. Awakening to what? Conscious relation with my Creator. It produces within me power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction. Yes? All right. So, it says, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. How many of you, as you've grown, have realized how much bigger plan you're a part of? Any of you connecting the dots can see? Probably all of us, right? There's a reason. If you guys are real new to recovery and you're coming in here, everything you've been through in the past can be put to purpose and there's tens of thousands of people you're going to encounter and liberate if you just follow the calling. Yeah? Okay. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in. So they're talking about having made this decision. Now they're walking in power and they're feeling new power flow in. Yes? Okay, as we enjoyed peace of mind. It's a, it's a product of awakening because we have a gift from the creator, a gift of peace, and he does not give as the world gives. Does it make sense? Okay. As we discovered we could face life successfully. How many of you have figured that out? All of a sudden. How many of you had some help with the step process? I wanted all my trouble to go away, and I found out I had to go own my trouble and then make restitution and walk my way through it. And in it, my real trouble, my guilt, shame, remorse, my hopelessness was removed. My real trouble wasn't the obstacle. The obstacle was my path. My real trouble was how I thought about me and how I thought about you. Yeah? Okay. All right. And as, as we became conscious of his presence, when we talk about consciousness, we're talking about an awareness of being aware. So you may not call the power God, but you will be aware that you're aware there's a power flowing through you that is not of you. And if you'll go out and be a distributor of this power, you will eventually know the name. Yes? Okay. Then it tells us some more products of this employment opportunity I've accepted. 
we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter, we were reborn. You know why the world doesn't bother me anymore? Because I'm dead. Go into the graveyard and yell at the stones. See how many of them get up and want to fight. They dead. We lose our fear of today, tomorrow, the hereafter because we realize I'm dying to self on an ongoing basis and I'm growing in consciousness of the superior being within me. Yes? That's the whole point. Chap tells us on Saturday night from time to time, always be ready to pray, always be ready to preach, always be ready to die. He doesn't want to remind you you're already dead. He, he lets you come to that conclusion on your own. So in order to be reborn, one has to be what? The flesh is going to have to become less and the spirit's going to have to become more. Yeah? Okay? So we're now at step three. Aren't these authors infuriating? Didn't they say that like four pages ago? They knew. Yeah, yeah, any lengths, any lengths. Let's go. I got a dinner date. And then they, went, they walked us into, how do they pierce my delusion if I don't participate? Did I really live and think that way? Do I live and think differently than that, that way? Can I now see it clearly in you? Yes? No? Maybe. So we're now at step three. That's why we have a manner of living, because we're going to rise and fall in consciousness, aren't we? How many of you have had days that were just a glide path and other days that were less so? Did you notice the common element was you? <laughs> Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. I want to go back through this prayer. How many of you talk in King James language? Almost none of you but one. Okay, good. Very good. I got you. So if you don't talk in King James language, they're going to tell you don't do that. God knows how you talk. But we do want to get down to what they ask about. They said, relieve me of the bondage of self. See, I thought I was in bondage strapped to a gurney or incarcerated somewhere, but I was in bondage within this frame. I was imprisoned by desires and all kinds of things, right? And I need to be relieved of that bondage because that's starting to kill me. Does that make sense? So relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do his will. Quit arguing with the way things are and start moving. Yes? And when that happens, it says, victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. I don't have to tell you about how that victory over self is God. All I have to do is show you how that is. In other words, my sermon is how I treat people, not what I say. Right? And it gets to be easier and easier. And it, and it has nothing to do with me anyway, his power, his love, his way of life, because I'm following God, so inevitably men will follow. Yes? Yes? No? How many of you have found that out? Come on, a lot of us come from a place and we've wasted a lot of time or we think we've wasted a lot of time and so we want to run right back out to where we started and we're going to go rescue the family. And they're still in the same shit show we left and instead we end up in the shit show. Christ himself didn't go in the grave. He called us out. 
get out, know who you are, whose you are, they'll come out. Okay? All right. So we said the prayer. Notice there was no amen. Some drunk, once upon a time, <laughs> took that prayer, put it on a card, said there's a third step prayer, and had an amen on it. Notice how they didn't do that. You know why? It's not done yet. God doesn't make too hard terms on those who earnestly seek. All I asked for was power to learn the truth. I don't know the truth yet. I don't even know what it looks like. So I'm not expected to get agreement yet because I don't know what the hell I'm seeing. Okay? So we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. So I'm back at that turning point they were talking about. We ask his protection and care with complete abandon. So the words are about... Relieve me of me so I'm free to be me, or however you get there. And basically, I need power to learn the truth about myself so I can bear witness to the world about the redemption I've experienced through him. Right? All right, so it says we found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. So how many of you took comfort in having someone join you? And So a lot of us do that. But they're going to give us a caution about that. It's better to meet God alone than with someone who might misunderstand. That also is scriptural for those of you who know, right? We don't, don't want to yoke ourselves to unbelievers. We're, we have a very specific request, and I'm asking for a very special access to power for a very special purpose, to put, put to purpose what I thought was a wasted life, to ease suffering for others. I'm asking to be a healer in the tradition of antiquity, and it's going to require a lot of me, so I better be serious about it. Yes? Okay. So the wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we express the idea of voicing it without reservation. So you talk to God how you talk, and express the idea that, okay, I'm on board. I did the best I could. Empower me through this walk. Allow me to serve. Whatever it is. The wording is quite optional, so long as I express the idea. I've said this from here before. You get here tore up. Papa, can you help a motherfucker out? <laughs> That'll get you done. We need to get real, whatever real is. I, I, I get a little light in here, and then some people get offended. I don't mean to offend, but it happens. <laughs> I've learned to live with it since I was dead. Um, this was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made an effect Sometimes a very great one was felt at once. For a person who liked the effect produced, who's a seeker of effects, I really want that promise. If I humbly make this request, an effect, sometimes a very great one, is felt at once. That's what we're after, right? And I've got to tell you a little story about a guy some of you may not have heard. I took a guy through the steps one time. And he had not, in 10 years of recovery, he had bounced and bounced and bounced. He had never done a fourth step. So I took him through one, two, three, leaving him at a fourth step decision. And I said, hey, go home, think about it, and give me a call. Pointed that out to him. The effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. I tell you this story because Bill talks about the cool wind of a mountaintop blowing through and through and all kinds of stuff, blow your hair back stuff. And not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets that. But this cat called me that night, because I asked him to call me and tell me, you know, about the effect you had. He gets me on the phone, he goes, I did it. All that reading you told me to do, and I said that prayer, and 
I didn't feel nothing. But my inventory's done. And I'd like to discuss it with you tomorrow. And I said, sometimes producing an inventory after 10 years of procrastination would be considered an effect. So that's it. Let's, next week, we'll look at step 